And it is good to see everybody here this morning. And for those of you who don't, uh, well, first of all, let's dismiss the kids uh, so they don't have to sit here and listen to me this morning. Um, let's go ahead and let them, them roll on out. And thank you to all the uh, volunteers that assist uh, every Sunday. Y'all just do a fine job, and we just appreciate uh, everything that you do back there. Um, my name's Kevin Hodge. For those that don't know me, I know we have a number of new uh, faces here, and we've had some visitors over the past several weeks. I'm one of the elders here at uh, LifePoint, and if you are new, um, you'll, one of the things we try to do for Phil every so often is the elders try to step in periodically and give him a week off from his teaching responsibilities. Uh, we don't give him vacation. He's still working through the week, but we try to alleviate some of the, the burden from the teaching, and so periodically we'll step in to do that for Phil, and this is uh, one of those Sundays, so I am filling in for him this morning, and it is a privilege to do so, and I know Phil's not here, and he would probably be embarrassed, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, we have a gift in Phil Pike. Um, I tell y'all, y'all know that. I hear it. Yes, right. Um, you know, I'll, I'll enter. I like to talk to guests when they come through, and many a times we'll get feedback because they've been out in other churches, and they just remind me over and over um, what a gift we have in him, a man who teaches God's Word week in and week out, led by the Spirit. And I tell you what, it's just uh, it's one of those things when you hear it every week, sometimes it just, you just think that's what everybody does, and that's not the case. Um, so we are extremely, extremely blessed to have him. And so it's always a privilege for us to step in and take one little responsibility off his plate every week. So, um, I mean, every so often so that he doesn't have to, to teach on those particular weeks. Also, um, so I'm a little, uh, little apprehensive this morning. Um, I actually turn 50 tomorrow, believe it or not. That's right. I've been on this uh, earth a half a century. And so, um, and uh, yeah, getting old, that's exactly, my family's been telling me that as well. So, um, but uh, no, it's hard to believe. And so I was, uh, was kind of curious coming in here. I was like, I hope no one has got a hold of my slides because um, I have an aggravating bone or two in my body and I have made a living out of mocking people on milestone birthdays. <laughs> Some back there in the right-hand corner. So I, um, so I was a little nervous to think, I hope they haven't got a hold of my slides and put a couple of pictures of me in there that I don't want y'all to see. Um, I was comforted this morning because they didn't know I had slides. So that was good. So that means no one got a hold of them. But I'm looking back there at Jaron just to make sure he's not going on doing anything. So, okay, he looked... He look. I can't see their faces. I don't know what they're doing. But uh, anyway, so I was a little concerned about that, but I think we'll be okay. But if, uh, if something does show up unexpectedly... <laughs> Only 50. Thank you. Thank you. I, I probably should have not even said anything this morning, actually, now I think about it. But no, but uh, it, is a, it is a privilege and a uh, privilege to be up here. And I, every, every year that, that I have on this earth, the blessing. And I think we all can, can relate to that. All right, let's go ahead and start. I actually have a movie clip um, for y'all this morning for us to, to crank up. Uh, it's from the movie Risen. And I want to use this as a, as a lead in. And I'll let the team in the back tee that up. What made you follow him? Oh! 
He's going to do it. To what? He's going to heal that man. How? What? Just what? No one touches me. A miracle. We saw them many times, Roman. few liberties with the, with the story there, so that's not exactly how the Bible lays it out. But I don't know if you heard it when the man playing Jesus goes over there and, and kind of picks him up and dusts him off and fixes all his clothes. The, the leper says, nobody touches me. Nobody touches me. And I just think, even though it's off a little bit from what the Bible says, it's just a beautiful portrayal of Jesus' love and compassion for the leper. And uh, I love that. I love that. And today we're actually going to dive into the biblical account of Jesus healing the leper. And I tell you, the healing of the leper is an amazing display of Jesus's power. You see that in the video there. And that usually gets the focus of this passage and rightfully should. But I also believe the passage we're going to look at today is going to scream at us a powerful reminder of what we have in Jesus. A powerful reminder of what we have in Jesus. And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles or click on your iPads or your phones or whatever, Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. We're only going to be looking at six verses. It's going to be a very uh, simple message um, this morning. Feel like I listened to a guy named Tom uh, Nelson out in Denton Bible Church out in Texas, and he always describes his. His, uh, not always, but oftentimes describes his sermons in, like meals. And so if you do that, Phil brings us big entrees full of meat and potatoes. Um, I'm going to bring you a little dessert today, Lord willing. A little dessert, a little chocolate lava cheesecake, uh, if you will. Something we'll just sit back and just say, mmm, that was just good. That was good. That's my goal. So we're going to look at uh, just a, a few minutes looking at the leper and his request. And then I just want to focus on two key points from this passage. Just going to focus on two, two key points this morning. And I tell you, my prayer, and this is what I'm praying the Holy Spirit will lead us to, is that when we leave today, uh, that no matter what we came through those doors with, the burdens, the struggles, whatever, we've all, we all brought stuff in this room today. There, none of us are immune from it. That we'll leave here not necessarily having those things resolved, but we'll leave here with encouragement and just a fresh reminder that we serve a Savior who cares 
And we serve a Savior who restores. That we serve a Savior who cares, and we serve a Savior who restores. That's the goal. We'll see if we'll get there. Holy Spirit, we pray you do take us there. But first, before we dive in, let me, um, let me just touch on a few things about the passage before we, we dig into it. Let me make sure I've got everything turned on here. I always like to show where everything takes place. Uh, so this healing actually took place in Galilee. So that's the little red region right there at the top of the, the slide. Uh, if you look at actually Mark, the end, I think the verse right before Mark 140, it mentions that it's in that particular area of Galilee was where Jesus was. The first verse of chapter 2 mentions that it did not, that he was going into Capernaum. So this particular event did not take place in Capernaum, which was sort of Jesus's home base, if you remember. But it did take place in the Galilee area, above Samaria and above Judea. So I just like to show that for everyone. There's also this same um, passage of scripture is also in Matthew, and it's also in Luke. So you've got parallel accounts there as well. Matthew actually mentions this miracle occurring right after the Sermon on the Mount. So right after Jesus did his, his preaching on the mount, then this miracle would have occurred. So, and what's interesting, this is actually, for those of you that may have remembered back when, uh, this is probably back at the end of November, early December, Phil actually preached on the healing of the ten lepers, which was something separate, obviously. This is a separate healing than the healing of the ten. And I just, as a side note, um, if you haven't heard that sermon back then, I think it was the day we had communion, uh, that is worth going back online and listening to it. Um, in fact, for those of you that came this morning hoping to hear Phil, I'd encourage you to go home and listen to Phil and listen to that sermon. So it is, a, it, it is a really, really good. And it, I just encourage you to listen to it because it's just a beautiful reminder of faith and what God does with faith. And uh, so if you have a moment, a few minutes, when, when we go back and listen to that. But first of all, let's look at the leper and his request. Let's, let's go ahead and, and dive into this. So Mark chapter 1 Verse 40, a man with leprosy, actually I got the scripture for y'all on, on the screen too, so a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I tell you, there is so much packed in that one verse. And if we just take a man with leprosy, that right there can preach a sermon. Um, the Greek word used here for leprosy actually encompasses all sorts of skin diseases, of which leprosy was one of them. So we've more defined as like an infectious skin disease. So leprosy was definitely one of those. And as Phil's taught us and as y'all studied, leprosy at that day and time, well, any day and time, is a horrible, horrible disease. We just have the means today to, to treat it with medicine. Back then, that wasn't there. It would attack the nerves. They would lose feeling of pain. Blindness would come, loss of digits, um, just, just painful. Obviously, the skin, we all know about the skin stuff with leprosy. It was just a horrible, horrible disease. And Luke's account of this basically says this man was actually covered in leprosy, completely covered in it. It wasn't just a little spot here and there. He was completely covered in it. And interestingly, if you had leprosy in that day and time, you had to follow the Jewish law, which is laid out in Leviticus 13 and Leviticus 14. And I, I would be pretty sure that no one probably dug into Leviticus 13 and 14 this morning in your quiet time. Maybe somebody did. I guess I shouldn't say nobody did. But um, it basically, Leviticus 13 lays out 
how the priest would look at a leper or anyone with a skin disease that came to him and make the declaration of whether they're clean or unclean. And then Leviticus 14 would talk about how the individual could be reinstated into the community. Someone who was deemed to have leprosy, this is what Leviticus 13 said had to happen. The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean, and he must live alone. Think about that. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. You look at those requirements. If a priest declared someone unclean like that for an infectious skin disease, they were all of a sudden immediately outcast. Outside, I mean, they got kicked out of the community. They couldn't be with their family. They were financially and socially isolated. They couldn't make a living. They had to rely on charity for everything they did or anything they had to do. Someone had to bring them stuff. And then they're required to dress like they're in mourning and to scream out unclean if anybody comes near them so that those individuals don't become unclean from, from touching them. There was a commentary I read in Leviticus that basically said a leper's existence was nothing more than a living death. It was nothing more than a living death. Just isolated, alone, maybe around other lepers, maybe in a leper colony, but always having to rely on others, couldn't be with the family. And the worst thing, nothing he can do to rid himself of it in that day and time. There's nothing he can do. And it just makes me think, I bet you that man, I don't know for a fact, but I wonder if he felt invisible. People didn't want to see him. They didn't want to touch him. They didn't want to be around him. He comes around, they just want him to be away. And it makes you wonder if he had thoughts, does his life even matter because of the state he's in? And you know, in describing this man, and I know we don't deal with leprosy in our day and time like that, but I, I bet me just walking through those things that leper probably felt, some of you probably come, came through this door this morning like me, and you carry some of that with you too. You carry the weight of past sins maybe that hold you in bondage, that make you feel like you really can't live, that you're isolated from others. And we could go on list and list all that, that we don't need to do that, but you know what I mean. Or maybe you're dealing with some disease or illness that just continues to plague you, or you just have fill in the blank. It makes you feel invisible. This makes you feel like you're not loved. You may ask sometimes, does my life even matter? And you know what? If we're truly transparent, we all probably have something in our lives just like that. We all at times feel inadequate. And uh, like this leper, we long for healing, we long for restoration, and we also long to know that someone cares. We long to know that we matter. We want to be visible. It's just a core need. It's a core need. And then here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus to this leper. And so the leper comes up to him and drops down onto his knees and begs him. Now, just him coming up to Jesus, those words alone, those are huge. If you remember the ten lepers, they were hollering at Jesus from afar, saying, have mercy on me. This leper threw caution to the wind, straight to Jesus. Can you imagine the people just clearing out of the way? Here comes a leper, you know, get out of the way, here's a leper. Maybe he was hollering unclean, unclean all the way in. 
I don't know. My guess is he did not care one bit what everybody was thinking about him right there. He's isolated. He's alone. Here's the one man he knows can change his situation. And he's getting to Jesus no matter what. And he takes off there. And then he gets there and he's like, Lord, I, I love this, this, these words. I don't know. They've always just intrigued me. And he comes to him and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. He has complete faith that Jesus can heal him. Whether Jesus chooses to or not, not the point. He knows that Jesus could heal him. Probably he'd heard enough about Jesus. Maybe he'd seen Jesus do some things. And he saw Jesus coming. He's like, I know he can heal me. The leper's only question was whether or not the Lord was going to do it, whether or not the Lord willed it. And you know what? Here he is, full of leprosy, asking, Jesus, are you going to ex- will you extend your love and compassion to me? Will you extend that to me in my wretched, wretched state right here that I can't do anything about? Recognizing that Jesus has every right to do what he desires to do. And he's like, if you are willing, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus gives him a resounding yes. And in doing so, we're reminded of that first point that I want to hit on today. We serve a Savior who cares. Look at how Jesus responds. Filled with compassion. Mark is the only one that uses that phrase, filled with compassion. And the Greek behind that is just this inward, to be moved in the inward parts. It wasn't just a Jesus walking by, oh, here's a guy with leprosy, let me heal him, let me move on. It says it touched him deeply. Here's a guy isolated, a guy alone, a guy struggling, and Jesus knows he's in the middle of this sinful world that man has messed up. And he sits there and looks at that guy, and he says he was filled with compassion. I love that Mark put that in there, filled with compassion. And then Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cured. Just that touch hadn't healed him. He's still (laughs) full of leprosy. The touch onto him. Can you imagine what that man must have felt, especially after I listened to that video and he said, no one touches me, to think someone's actually touching me. You know, my, uh, one of my love languages is, is physical touch. And, uh, you know, Matthew gave me a hug last week after the service. And, you know, that's my love language. And I just appreciated that for something we were talking about. And, you know, Lisa can give me, she can give me a pat on the back and I'm all of a sudden like Mel Gibson in Braveheart, you know, let's go, let's tackle the world, you know. Um, almost makes me sound like a dog, doesn't it? She just kind of pat me a little bit, and I'm ready to roll. But, uh, but I just, I, I just, I love, I just, that's just my love language. It's just physical touch. I just, and that's why, y'all know, I'm very touchy-feely. Um, but that's because that's the way I like to give love, and that's the way I like to receive it. And I can imagine, it just blows my mind to think, here could be a man that, no matter how long he had been touched. How long he had been hugged. And the fact that Jesus just touched him, made him visible again. I mean, all these people are watching. No one touched him. Now Jesus reaches out and just touches him. He's seen. He's acknowledged. 
He hasn't been healed yet. And by doing that, Jesus is actually violating the law, but he's God. He can do whatever he wants to. So he touches him and is obviously going to take care of the situation. But Jesus saw a person. He saw a soul. He didn't see the disease. He saw a person. He saw a soul. He didn't see the disease. And you know, um, I think about that. We could do a whole sermon on that one too. But Jesus accepted and loved him in a pre-healed state. He loved him in his pre-healed state. And that just reminds me, and should remind all of us that Jesus loves us in our pre-healed states when we come to him. He loves us in our pre-healed state. And I say pre-healed. I mean, it, it, not like healing like, you know, over a disease or anything like that. But, I mean, just think about the things we all need healing from. I mean, we've got marriage issues we all deal with, addictions. We've got anxieties that we can't put behind us. We've got past failures that just haunt us. And I could go on and on, but the cool thing is when we come to Jesus, like this leper came to Jesus, we don't have to clean up first and come to him. We can just come to him with all that junk and just, you know, just spit it right out there before him. And just, Jesus, here is my issues. I've got a bunch of issues. Here are my issues. Here's my junk. And here's the beauty of it. When we do that, when we come to Jesus and we just throw our junk out there at him, and it's like, Lord, please, I can't handle this on my own. I need you. I need you to do something. He willingly takes our junk and those burdens that we carry, and it becomes his burden. It becomes his burden. It's no longer our burden. Now, we try to take it back and make it our burden, but when we give it to him, it becomes his burden. And I can't think of a better offer. All that junk, all our struggles... We can transfer that to him, and in his place, we get the loving touch and arms of Jesus around us. Yeah, we may have messed it up. We may have just made a mess of this and that. It's okay, Kevin. I'll take it from you, and I'm going to make you what I want you to be. I'm going to make you something beautiful. And I tell you what, I am a, y'all know that I'm an emotional dude. Um, I cry. Y'all, y'all, I cry about every Sunday I'm up here when I'm doing the, the intro. If y'all see me on Friday, on Wednesday evenings, I'm just bawling right there. Karen and I sharing tissues back and forth. And so it's just, and, uh, and you know, you let talk to my family. I cry at things you shouldn't cry about. You know, just stuff. That's, it's just, I'm an emotional, emotional guy. And I remember one time my dad, he gave me some, I, I cried at something, something, I think it was upper basketball. This don't even, we won't go into the details of it, but, um, he sent me something afterwards from Victor Hugo. He said something like, those, those who do not see do not cry. Something like that. Those are those who cry are the ones who see. It's something like that. I'm going to probably botch that really up. But anyway, the point being that it's okay. And you know what? When I look at these, these passages here of Jesus reaching out, touching a leper, and I think about him willingly taking on our burdens, the, the potential that we have that he can heal us. When I just start wrestling through all that in my mind, I can't help but get teary-eyed thinking about how good he is despite how bad and ugly I can make things. He is so good. And that just brings me to tears. And I don't ever want to lose that, to be honest with you, because if I do... I have missed something about Jesus' love. And uh, not that all of us have to cry all the time, but when you just sit there and just really reflect, Jesus, you care for me so much. You take my burdens day in and day out. How can I not come before you just thanking you and praising you? 
and crying, thank you so much for that. He's done that for all of us. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I, I want to show you this verse here. I love it uh, from Psalm. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. His love, His touch, we can give our burdens to Him. And then Jesus turns around, he tells the leper, be clean. Just two words. Amen. Touch you. I love you. Be clean. Poof. There goes the leprosy. Could you imagine being there and just seeing that happen? I mean, that would be one of those, do you remember when moments? Do you remember when Jesus healed this man of leprosy? And it just disappeared. And there he was clean. That that would have been something. That would be something to see today, just to see that happen. They would never forget this. And he starts, you know, uncovering his mouth, and they, they see his face, and there's no leprosy, and he pulls off, pulls back his clothes, and his, his skin is normal. I just like, astonished, astonished. And it just reminds me how all the unique ways that Jesus healed people. You know, you think about the blind man, he spit to the eyes. The centurion's servant, he didn't even go to see the servant. He just said, be healed. The lepers, the ten lepers earlier that, that Phil talked about a while back, he said, just start walking and you'll be healed as you go. It's just neat how Jesus treated each situation unique. No formula. It is just Jesus. No 12-step program. Just Jesus. It's just Jesus. It is just Jesus' love and the promise of his word. Be clean. And I tell you what, really, no matter what we're going through, whatever struggles we have, when you really think about it, the touch of Jesus, just realizing his love, letting him love on us, and the promise of his word, when you really think about it, that's what we want. That's what we need in our lives. And I want to pause here because I don't, obviously, I want to make clear, and we all know this from reality, that not every, every situation every, is healed here on this earth. We know that. We live it. We breathe it. We're in a sinful world. Um, and God's ways are far greater than our ways. There are things that he desires to do that are too great for us to understand sometimes. And we just have to trust him and yield that, that to him. You know, the Bible never taught that every leper on earth at Jesus' time was healed. It doesn't teach that. I'm sure there was more lepers healed than what's in Scripture because they couldn't put everything in the New Testament because of everything that Jesus did. So I'm sure there was plenty. But we're still in this sinful world. And you know what? God heals. He's in the business of healing. He does it today. But more importantly, he's in the business of making his glory known. And that's as we follow him and as we embrace and feel the love and touch of Jesus there's something inside of us that changes such that we want his glory because that love that comes from Jesus when we experience it through the Holy Spirit is something you don't want to let go of because it's real, it's true, it's going to be here to the end. And Jesus, whatever you want to do with me, if you want to heal me now, want to heal me later, whatever, I want you to be glorified because one day I'm going to be before you in a glorified state. I'm going to glorify you for eternity. And that's what our heart should ultimately want one day. And you know what? I also think if, if we didn't struggle here on this earth, if everything was just healed or 
we never had a problem or our marriages were perfect and all that good stuff. You know, if every struggle um, was removed, we'd be weak people, low on faith, very low on perseverance. And if we're really honest, probably some of us would even say we wouldn't even desire heaven if everything was just perfect on this earth. There's reasons for our struggles, and that is heaven, because heaven's coming. Um, his love and his promises are still faithful and true, no matter what, whether the issue we're dealing with is resolved now or in heaven. And I'm reminded of this from a, a thing that I read this past week. I, my family and I, we, y'all know we like to watch some movies on Sunday night. That's our, our movie time. My family loves movies. They kind of drag me into it because I'm not a big movie buff. But uh, if I'm going to be with my family, we're watching a movie. So um, we, uh, so I, I love I love being with them. I just say that jokingly. But uh, we just watched the an old movie, The Hiding Place, about uh, Corey Ten Boom, and that's uh, if you remember that very popular uh, book and movie a long time ago. And you remember Corey and her sister and her dad. They were uh, hiding Jews in their house. Got ratted out. Ended up going to the concentration camps, and the father died there. Uh, her sister, Corey's sister, died. And then Corey, through, a, I think, a clerical error, actually got um, freed from the concentration camp. And then God ends up using Corey's life in amazing ways afterwards. But in the book, The Hiding Place, uh, Corey pins these words. And I, I can't think of better words to describe uh, how sufficient Christ's love and his promises are. Because they were in a tough, tough situation there in these concentration camps. So I'm just going to read three paragraphs, so just bear with me. Just listen to these words as I read them. She said, It grew harder and harder. Even within these four walls, there was too much misery, too much seemingly pointless suffering. Every day something else failed to make sense, and something else grew too heavy. And their prayer was, Lord Jesus, will you carry this too? Will you carry this burden too? But as the rest of the world grew stranger, one thing became increasingly clear, and that was the reason the two of us were here. She's referring to her sister Betsy, because they were together. Why others should suffer, we were not shown. As for us, from morning until lights out, whenever we were not in ranks for roll call, our Bible was the center of an ever-widening circle of help and hope. They were able to, they were able to get the Bible in their barracks because the the guards wouldn't go in there because of the fleas and the lice. So God used fleas and lice to allow them to have the Bible in there. Interesting how God works. So they have their Bible, and every night they're in, in around reading it. It says, like waves clustered around a blazing fire, we gathered about it, holding out our hearts to its warmth and light. The blacker the night around us grew, the brighter and truer and more beautiful burned the Word of God. Isn't that great? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Quoting Romans 8. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I would look about us as Betsy read, watching the lights leap from face to face. More than conquerors? It was not a wish. It was a fact. We knew it. We experienced it minute by minute. Poor, hated, hungry, We are more than conquerors. Not we shall be, we are. I mean, to be able to say that in that environment, we are. Life in Ravensbrook, which was the name of the concentration camp, took place on two separate levels, mutually impossible. One was the observable external life grew every day more horrible. Everything they could see around them grew more and more horrible. The other, the life we live for God, 
grew daily better, truth upon truth, glory upon glory. You read, you read that and you think, wow. In probably the, I can't imagine worse circumstances. And God's light shining through there. They needed his touch. They needed his word. And he gave it to them. He gave it to them. As the psalmist says in Psalm 63, your love is better than life. Your love is better than life. Jesus cares, and his love and his word is enough. And not only do we serve a Savior who cares, but secondly and lastly, we serve a Savior who restores. Let's look uh, at Mark 1, 43 through 45. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. Now that was to prevent, you'll see at the end, Jesus had to tell him that because if he went and told everybody, then he couldn't be able to walk as freely and get around to places that he wanted to, but that didn't quite happen. It says, but see this, don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the, the news as a result, Jesus could, not, could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. I'm sure if Jesus would have told us not to go tell someone, we would have struggled with that too. So I'm not going to knock this guy for what he did. Um, it would be hard all of a sudden to look at your hand. It's like, woo, no leprosy, but I can't tell nobody. You know, cause I'd say, so that is, uh, that was, I know that was a tough situation, but there was reasons for it. We won't get into that. But Go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony for them. I want to hone in on that before we close. Because of Jesus, restoration took place, or is going to take place in three different ways. One, Jesus has already restored him physically. He healed him, so he was restored physically. Secondly, because of Jesus, this former leper can now be restored in the community. He could be restored ritually ceremonially. So if you were to go read Leviticus 14, there were all these sacrifices that had to take place. There was sacrifice that had to take place outside the camp. Then he had to shave all the hair off his body, and then he was allowed back into the camp. But then he couldn't go to the tent because he had to stay out for seven days. And then they had to go through four or five different offerings to reinstate him into the community. But because of what Jesus had done for him, he was restored from a living death to life again. He just had to go through the formalities there with the, under the Jewish law. He was restored to his community, restored to his family, and restored to the way of life as it was meant to be for him. But here's the cool thing. The third way Jesus showed us restoration in this. In the process of being restored ritually, this leper got a glimpse I just think this is cool. He just got a glimpse of what Jesus was ultimately going to do one day, not only to restore him, but all of us spiritually. He got a glimpse of it. Look at this. This is from Leviticus 14. This is the first sacrifice while he's outside the camp. And I'm just, we're not going to go through all the sacrifices, trust me. I just want to hone in on this one because it's so good. It says, the priest is to go outside the camp and examine him. If the person has been healed of his infectious skin disease, the priest shall order that two live clean birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop be brought for the one to be cleansed. See, someone's having to bring the stuff for him to be cleansed. He can't go to it himself. He's isolated. So he's relying on somebody else. They're bringing the stuff for him to be cleansed. 
Then the priest shall order that one of the birds be killed over fresh water in a clay pot. He is then to take the live bird and dip it together with the cedar wood, the scarlet yarn, and the hyssop into the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. Seven times he shall sprinkle the one to be cleansed of the infectious disease and pronounce him clean. Seven is the number for perfection, for completeness. He's being cleansed. Then he is to release the live bird in the open fields. And when you look at that and you look at what the commentators say about it, that first bird, the sacrifice of that bird, and the sprinkling of the blood on the man was the first step in restoring that man to fellowship with the community again. Symbolic of Jesus' death, his blood, that would one day cleanse us of our sin and restore us to the Father. And then the bird flying free. Now remember, this bird has been dipped in the blood of the other bird, represented the new life the leper would now live. Symbolic of Jesus' death, his bloodshed, the resurrection, and the offer of the new life in him. So right here, before this leper's eyes, and I, again, I don't, I don't know how often lepers were healed in that day and time. I could only speculate that it wasn't an everyday occurrence. Um, but right here before his eyes, it was foreshadowed that Jesus would one day become that sacrifice to provide cleansing once and for all for all our sins and bring true restoration to Almighty God. And sending that leper to the priest not only pointed the leper ultimately to Jesus, it also pointed... It also showed those priests pointed them to Jesus as well as a testimony to them. See, the Jews only believed, they believed that only God could heal leprosy. And all of a sudden, here's a guy, a leper, no leper on his body. Okay, something bigger than us is here involved. God is here. God is here. And soon, God, Jesus, was going to turn that sacrificial system upside down. It was going to be no more. No longer would they need a priest to declare one is clean and unclean. They were going to have the high priest Jesus, our high priest. He would be the one to do the restoration. God had showed up. It was just a matter of time where he was going to do everything that Scripture laid out, and he was going to be the one that we would all, all those days, all the individuals at that same time would now go to Jesus instead of the priest. And the joy we have today, we don't have to worry about a sacrificial system. We can go straight to Jesus, straight to him. And you know what? Just like what Jesus did for that leper, restoring him, and then what he's done for centuries, restoring people to him, he can do that for you today, no matter what you're going through. And we, say, we teach the gospel here as much as we can, because we never, ever, ever want to take for granted that everybody walks through these doors, everybody listening online has experienced Jesus. We'd never, ever want to take that for granted or ever think that that's happened. And so he can restore you. You may have this junk you've got out there, and you may say, Kevin, I've never turned any of my life, any of my junk over to him for him to do something for me. You can do that today. You don't have to know all the fancy words to say. You don't even know how to have even know how to pray. You can just say, "Jesus, I just need you. I don't know what you need to do to change me to all this. I just need you." And he'll answer that prayer. He will answer that prayer. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, "Jesus is Lord," and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will 
be saved. Anybody, everybody, because of what the work he's already done on the cross. And I tell you, that's, that's for the, the person that's coming to Christ. And then it's all for all of us that, man, all right, we, we messed something up in our life, or we've fallen to the side, or we have just, we've just forgot how much Jesus loved us. Maybe that's simple. That can happen. That can happen in church work. I tell you what, you get so involved doing church stuff, you just forget what you're doing it for in response to Jesus. Maybe you just sit there and say, man, I've just lost sight of you, Jesus. I've lost sight of how good you are. Will you just come, take my junk, renew that relationship that we once had. No matter where you are, you are precious to him, and he will take that junk, and he will do something beautiful with you. We serve a Savior who cares, and we serve a Savior who restores. Amen, amen, amen. We serve a Savior who cares. We serve a Savior who restores. In conclusion, let's go back to Corey Timboon. I'm sure they prayed for God to do some amazing things in those concentration camps to free them, heal them, do things, and it didn't happen. Corey gets spared. She goes out. If you read her biography, what God used her to do is amazing. She writes this book in, I don't know, in the 70s. And here little Kevin is in, well, old Kevin now, old Kevin in 2023, still reading this book and seeing the wisdom of her dad that she penned that I would have never known anything about that man. She pins the words about how he used to always give Corey the ticket before she got on the train. And Corey was worried one day about um, her dad dying and how she would be able to handle it. And he goes, Corey, you know when I give you that ticket, when do I give you that ticket? She says, right before I get on the train. That's right, so you don't lose that ticket. Just like our Heavenly Father, when the time comes, he'll give you the ticket. He'll give you what you need at that time. Not a moment too soon. Not a moment too later. He will give you what you need. Those are words, we would have never known those words had it not gone through, probably not, had it ever gone through that situation she went through. And then the love of her sister for Jesus and how her sister and her loved in those barracks, all because they went through a horrible, horrible trial meant for evil that God took and made something beautiful out of it. And now all of them are sitting at Jesus' feet all that stuff was just temporary. They're sitting with their Savior, loving him, probably getting pats on the back from him and just hugs and all that stuff. You know, I can't wait to get a hug up there too. So it's going to be, it's going to be good. All because we serve a Savior who cares and a Savior who restores. All that happens because we serve a Savior who cares and a Savior who restores. And no matter if you're alone or in bondage, feeling invisible, dealing with something that's plagued you for years, or you're in the midst of a situation you just don't understand, because we all get in those. Like the leper, may we take that step towards Jesus and bring to him our burden. And may we feel his love and watch how he chooses to restore us. Just give it to him. Let him do his thing. Psalm 25, 3. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. Amen. Let's pray.
Father, um, thank you for that promise. That when we put our hope in you, we'll never be put to shame. And I'm reminded also of the other verse in Psalms that says we'll, we'll not be disappointed um, as well. I, I thank you. I thank you for the promises of your word. And Lord, I, as we're all before you right now, um, I don't know everything that everybody's dealing with in this room, nor do they know what I'm dealing with. But Lord, we, we all have stuff. And so, much, so often that stuff just consumes us, and we try to control it, and we try to fix it. Um, because we think we, we can do that. We try to make ourselves you and try to make it happen. And, um, and that's just so wrong. And you just lay out here beautifully in this scripture about how you just care for us. And you're there willing and ready to take our junk. Oh, just take our junk and just wrap your arms around us so we can just feel you, feel the love that comes from you. And know that whatever happens, it's going to be okay because we got you. Um, Thank you for that. Lord, I pray for anyone here that has never felt the warmth of your embrace, the love that you offer. Holy Spirit, may today be the day. May it be right now. May it be this afternoon. May it be this evening. Holy Spirit, would you just work? Um, There's nothing more beautiful seeing you restore a life. And uh, we just thank you for that. I thank you for everyone that you brought here this morning. Thank you so much for being a good, good God who teaches us about your beauty, that opens the door for us to have a way to be with you. Thank you that you've done all that work. It's not on us. Thank you that you did all the work because you loved us. Lord, there is no God like you. No God like you. And uh, we just thank you for that. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you're doing. Just use these songs to do what you want to do as we close. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to a broadcast from LifePoint Church in Greenville, South Carolina. If this ministry has touched your life in some way, we would love to hear from you. Just visit our website at www.lifepointsc.org for more information. Or, if you prefer to reach us by letter, you can write to us at P.O. Box 27036, Greenville, South Carolina, 29616, USA. Until next time, may God bless you as you continue to follow Him. of my heart.